Welcome to Cinema Chop Shop. Watch, chop, retrofit. I went to a little, cool little enclave last night called Heroes Hideout. And it was jam-packed with nerds in a good way. Woo! And we got to try some of our friend Tony's uh, fixins. He has ramen and dumplings and sometimes curry on the menu. Now, I will say that it is primarily a spot for gamers. Yeah. It's a hobby shop. They're not a restaurant, but they do have some jam-up food. But this is not a Food Network podcast. Welcome to Season 9, Episode 9 of Cinema Chop Shop. This is a movie podcast that concedes that remakes are going to happen. So why shouldn't movie buffs... Like us. ...decide who is recast in those iconic roles? My name is... Flight of the Travigator, a.k.a. The Empire Strikes Trav, (laughs) a.k.a. 2001 A Space Travesty. (laughs) (laughs) I was really hoping for The Flight of the Travigator because I rewatched it today. Also, um, I'm joined as always here in the shop by my co-host and co-producer, Jean-Luc Picard, (laughs) a.k.a. Inception, a.k.a. 2010, The Year We Make Sean Tact. (laughs) Also, as always, Chop Shop Regulator, the fifth element, <laughs> aka the day the earth stood chell. Nice. AKA Chalian versus Predator. <laughs> <laughs> and in our fourth seat, welcoming back legendary guest, Joe Laris, <laughs> aka Jobocop. <laughs> aka Jodel Recall. (laughs) Further description of the show. The tagline says, watch, chop, retrofit, because essentially that's what we do here. We watch older movies. Sometimes they're classic films with iconic actors. And then we retrofit them by tweaking the design with new parts. Quick disclaimer, we're not actually in favor of the remake, reboot, sequel dependent cinematic culture. Set your phasers to stun with two ends. This is more of an exercise in satire and irony. We try to be funny. And sometimes we succeed. All right. That brings us into our first segment, which is going to be movie news. And unfortunately, this week, uh, the chop shop curse has striked again. Has struck? Struck. struck again. So we were were at Seminar Brewing, SeminarBrewing.com, on Tuesday. Yes. Right? Yes. And we were watching soap operas. On TV, and we were talking about General Hospital and the days of our lives and all my children. Dying art, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this guy's name came up, right? Yep. In, In the discussion. Rest in peace and rest in power to Stuart Damon. He was an American actor. Um, the films he was known for were Young Doctors in Love and Star 80. And for his 30 year portrayal of Alan Quartermain. Not to be confused with the uh, (laughs) novel Alan Quartermain on General Hospital on General Hospital for which he won an Emmy Award in 1999. Outside the United States, he was better known for his role on The Champions as Craig Sterling. So once again, rest in peace and rest in power to Stuart Damon. Next up. My Little Pony movie voice cast adds Vanessa Hudgens, James Marsden, and more. 
I'm excited. Vanessa Hudgens, James Marsden, and Kimiko Glenn are joining the cast of Netflix's My Little Pony, A New Generation. Cocaine Bear. Okay. Elizabeth Banks' new film adds Carrie Russell, Alden Ehrenreich, Ray Liotta, O'Shea Jackson Jr., and others. Universal Pictures is working on a feature film called Cocaine Bear based on a 1985 New York Times article about a 175-pound black bear that got into a duffel bag filled with more than 70 pounds of cocaine that was dropped from an airplane in Kentucky by local drug smuggler Andrew Carter Thornton II, a wealthy son of an elite Kentucky horse-breeding family. Wait, what the fuck? This was a thing? It was a real thing. It really happened in real life. Too bad it was before YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right? They, they probably got it on Russian dash cam footage. <laughs> uh, next up, Ice Cube fights Warner Brothers over the new Friday movie, script battles, ownership rights, and more. Uh, so the movie we're referring to is uh, Last Friday Hopefully. A new report from the Wall Street Journal reveals heated a heated battle between Ice Cube and Warner Brothers over Last Friday, the fourth film in the Friday comedy franchise that has been in development for nearly a decade. The two parties agreed to develop Last Friday in 2012, with Cube reportedly to be paid $11 million. Disagreements over the script and other issues have delayed the sequel over the years. Ice Cube alleges that his films, quote, are habitually underfunded in comparison with projects featuring white casts. And that comes to us from IndieWire.com. Finally, Wes Anderson's new movie, not uh, Last Night in Soho, but the next Wes Anderson movie, uh, will, be, will be shot in Spain in September, and Tilda Swinton is among the, among the cast members. Do you know where in Spain? Uh, no, actually, they're they're keeping a lot of it under wraps. In a recent interview with Variety, Tilda Swinton revealed that she will star in the project, specific details of which are being kept closely under wraps. Though the film is shooting in Spain, it's not about Spain, Swinton hinted. Meanwhile, Hinton Swinton, <laughs> old Hinton Swinton, speaking to Variety from England, Anderson said he's, quote, not ready to share any details about the new film. Has she been in a Wes Anderson movie previously? Because that seems like a very natural pairing to me. It, it really does. And I'm off the top of my head. I can't think of one. that. She me neither. Uh, Something but, for Dana. Yeah. Dana, please check us out. With that, and speaking of, do you guys hear a phone ringing? That must mean it's time for the Department of Corrections Department with Chief Corrections Officer Dana. What's up, Chop Shoppers? Travis, after skipping out on the recording last week, I'm going to feed your commissary account because you pronounced Donald correctly. Way to redeem yourself. I'm like a proud mammy board. I wasn't able to find any information on whether Danny DeVito hired Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner for The War of the Roses because of their chemistry in Romance of the Stone, but it seems pretty plausible that he did. You know who created the opening sequence for The War of the Roses? Your boy Saul Bass. The term for fear of snakes is ophidiophobia. That's it for this week. Enjoy your watch party. All right, Dana, thank you for that. And thank you for your service. Uh, sounds like you're romancing my stone. 
bring us to the theme of the episode, Sci-Fi Movies Part 2. And Sean, this was your idea to bring this back. We uh, we did a Sci-Fi Movies was it the first season episode? one, uh, like episode least, one, right? Possibly. Uh, so it's time yeah. again, because it's such a broad category. There's so many movies out there that we, uh, we are nostalgic about that. We love that we have uh, either love or hatred for. And I think it's ripe for the picking, right? Absolutely. And Chelsea, what, what are your thoughts coming into this week's episode? It's a huge, huge subject area. And I saw movies that I I should have seen but never saw. And I'm very excited to have seen them. Absolutely. Joey? Um, I'm very excited about this one. Uh, I'll echo what Chelsea said. It's a huge umbrella. Uh, I'm going to actually nitpick and say that one of the films we've... uh, we've chosen is better thought of as a horror film with science fiction trappings. Mm, I think both um, of our films today are, you could argue that. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I'll fire a, a shot in the nerd war and I'll say that I'm okay with star Wars being classified as science fiction, but it's more fantasy. It's more of a fantasy yeah, because true. the force is magic y'all yeah. and the midichlorians, notwithstanding thrown in there at the end to try to put a scientific spin on it. It's fantasy. He's the magic man. That's not a diss. I like Star Wars. I could buy that. Yeah. For sure. Oh, oh, oh. It's magic. You know. You know. All right. So uh, that being said, we're going to take it into our next segment, which is the Midnight Double Feature. And this is where we go around the panel and we each talk about two movies that we have pre-selected that we think would be a good pairing for a double feature uh, within our subject at hand. All right, so Joey, as our guest, would you like to go first sure. with your double feature? Uh, this is a, a a huge category, as we've talked about. Um, I fought the urge, uh, given my proclivities, uh, to select two Star Trek films uh-huh. for this. It strikes me that science fiction is one of those things where, kind of like comics, it started out kind of as kiddie stuff, kiddie fair, not really taken seriously, and then... You know, over the years has has become more mainstream and also kind of elevated a little bit, too. Um, And a lot of the stuff that we think of as science fiction is kind of schlocky. Um, And, you know, Flash Gordon, for instance, you know, kind of. I'm here for it, though. I'm here for the schlock. I I love love it, too. Uh, But I wanted to go on the other end of that spectrum. So I picked two kind of art house films. Uh, They're both by one of my favorite directors, uh, both from the Soviet era. Uh, Andre uh, Tarkovsky. Tarkovsky. Uh, first is 1972 Solaris. Uh, was remade a couple of years ago, a few years ago, maybe a decade or so ago. Now time does that thing in my head. Uh, as a George Clooney vehicle, I think. Yes, um, I have not yes. seen that version, so I can't speak to this, but the first one is amazing. And it's on a lot of lists as like one of the sci-fis you need to see. Yeah, and it's... It's not a, in plot wise. It's it's almost kind of similar in some ways, not in tone, but in plot to one of the films we're going to talk about today, um, later. Yeah. Uh, and the second one is another Tarkovsky film from a few years few years later. It's 1979. It is Stalker, and uh, this film blew my mind when I saw it for the first time, maybe last year. Um, it's a, a 1979 Soviet era. Uh, it's not post-apocalyptic, but it's there's an area which has undergone some sort of unnamed phenomenon. And inside of this area, the 
laws of physics have become warped and it's just you know sort of it's like the surrealist sort of like thing like the nba and playoffs last year <laughs> almost yeah and there uh it's just i don't want to give too much away but there's so many ways to interpret what happens once they get inside there and it is just a visual just tour de force and it's an amazing film so that's my double feature awesome solaris uh, and uh stalker so my only commentary is that in Soviet Russia, science fiction shoots you. Over nice. to you, Chelsea. All right, so I watched Planet of the Apes for the first time ever. The original, the Heston. Yes. And I saw a documentary about it in terms of like the makeup and the costuming and was intrigued by it. I knew it existed, but I knew more about it in terms of the remakes and people making right. fun of it. Yeah. And I didn't realize how iconic the original version was. So I watched it and it's great and I loved it. And I'm pairing that with a remake, one that I think might be a little underrated from 2011 Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Rise the, of the Planet of the Apes the prequel. is pretty good. I uh, really enjoyed Woody, it. Woody Harrelson in that one or is that the no, James Franco? No, it's the James, James Franco. Franco. I really enjoyed it. And definitely Andy Circus. Yes. Yeah. He's yes. In there. <laughs> I love them both. I, I've loved all of them that I've seen. I've been totally like first, engrossed. Like, introduction yes. to the concept of the Planet of the Apes. Yes. Have never seen it. Well, that's because they told you to get your damn dirty hands off of it. Right. But no, I love it. It's it's been great. I've watched I think five at this point right on. are those newer films in that franchise are they remakes or prequels. are they it's, they're prequels I think, okay i, think that I haven't seen all of them so yeah i only watched this one as the remake the other also, ones i watched were the older ones if you are going to go down the planet of the apes rabbit hole just skip over the tim burton marky mark one that's what everyone keeps telling me yeah. as well all right fantastic over to you sean <clears throat> all right so i'm using uh one of Steven Spielberg's final relevant films, uh, E.T., The Extraterrestrial from 82. And his adventures on Earth. As kind of my springboard for my double feature. Starring, uh, well, not starring, but in the cast was Henry Thomas in 1993's Fire in the Sky. We've talked about this on the show. Oh, shit. Henry Thomas was in Fire in the Sky? Yeah. We've talked about it on the show. It's based on a supposedly true story. It's based on a true account. Uh with Robert Patrick D.B. Sweeney about a 1975 uh, supposed alien abduction. A guy dis you know, disappears for five days, spends the entire movie trying to convince people what really happened and is real. And Do you be Sweeney, though? I do be. So, yeah, Henry Thomas is in this. And I'm pairing it with 2018's Beyond the Sky, which is also an alien abduction movie. Ah. And one of the cast members is Dee Wallace, who played the mother in E.T., Yes, oh, she wow. did. Okay. And she's still acting. She's cranking out a ton of films. Check her out on IMDb. She is pumping out films left and right. Fantastic. So good to see her working. But it's about a documentarian who goes to debunk the alien abductions deal in the Southwest. Uh, goes to like a convention kind of thing and gets kicked. Roswell. Yeah, it wasn't Roswell, but he gets kicked out. And But in the process, he meets a girl who claims to have been abducted and feels oddly attracted to her, not because not just because she's attractive, but there's some sort of connection that, that he feels. And kind of goes down this very twisty, turvy kind of uh, plot where it seems as if everything's being contrived and orchestrated by the sheriff in town, but there's an even deeper secret underneath. 
it's not a great movie, but it's, you know, standard alien abduction fare. It sounds like it pairs very well. It does pair really well. And the fact that there's an ET uh, thread between the two, that's why I picked them. So ET stands for extra tasty. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So my double feature is going to be a couple of movies from my uh, childhood that I'm very nostalgic about. They're two eighties sci-fi movies. And the first one is going to be Explorers. Explorers from 1985. It was directed by the great Joe Dante. And it has a 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. Quick recap of the plot. Young Ben Crandall, played by Ethan Hawke, spends his free time watching sci-fi films, playing video games, and reading comic books. Surprisingly, his affinity for all things fantastical yearly yields a real result when he has a vivid dream about technology his science loving friend wolfgang mueller played by river phoenix manages to create a working spacecraft joined by their buddy darren woods played by jason presson the boys take off into outer space and encounter some very odd extraterrestrial life <laughs> uh so uh the casting ethan hawk is by far the success of the three. He's still alive, yeah. first of all, <laughs> yeah. and he's still acting. Uh, we know the deal with uh, River Phoenix. Really interesting to see River Phoenix play the nerd in this role. Yeah, That's- he was his he was the son of German scientists. Yeah. There what was year little, was this? This is uh, 1985. Okay. And so also uh, Darren Woods, their buddy Darren, he's the son of a broken home. He's got an abusive father who's job that he doesn't have is hauling junk and that's where they can uh get some of the hardware that they need for the spacecraft but uh darren woods did a couple of straight to video movies after this and then just quit the game he probably got out with his butthole intact though all right next i'm going to pair that with flight of the navigator from 1986 the very next year and this is kind of disney's attempt to cash in on the popularity of kid sci-fi of kid yeah. sci-fi and explorers it was directed by randall excuse me randall kleiser and it's got an 84 percent on rotten tomatoes i don't think this should be higher Not that high. than explorers uh while it is good for me of these two it's the inferior film this 1978, oh no, 1978, that can't be right. It's set in 1978, but it's actually from 1986. Uh, it tells the story of 12-year-old David, played by Joey Kramer, who lives with his family in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, that was the first problem, when he awakens from being accidentally knocked out in the forest near his home. He finds that eight years have passed, ah, uh, eight years, 1978 to 86. Um, his family is overjoyed to have him back, but just as perplexed as he is by the fact that he hasn't aged. When a NASA scientist, played by Howard Hessman, uh, discovers a UFO nearby, David gets a chance to unravel the mystery and recover the life he lost. So I feel like they're very uh, related in the fact that they're um, like adolescent dudes getting to go to space every kid wants to fly a spaceship yes exactly now uh, the first one um explorers there is a little bit of 
problematic stuff in the fact that like the first time they figure out that they can get inside of the bubble ethan hawk's like i know what i want to do and he goes and spies on the girl he has a crush on in her bedroom of course from outside like a like a peeping hawk all right so is that going to wrap us up on the midnight double feature yes yeah that brings us to our feature segment which is the recast and this is where we have a pre-selected film that we've all seen and we talk about it a little bit and then we hypothetically recast a few of the main roles with contemporary actors who are at the, at the height, height of, of their, their powers. Sci-fi powers. Oh, at oh. their sci-fi powers. Who are at the, the height, height of their, their powers. powers. Oh, okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right. So the first movie is going to be one that Joey, you were saying could more easily be identified as a horror sci-fi. No, I was. Uh, well, Sean put this one in too, but I was going to say that the second one okay. is, I think, clearly a very Lovecraftian, actually horror film. Okay. Well, this one, I mean, Sean, you were making an argument that They Live also is a horror film. You want to argue why? In a way? Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's the the, the whole insidious uh, hidden culture uh, living amongst us. It's like 1984 horror. Yeah. I mean, it's it could easily be typified as a, as a horror movie in that we're blindly going about our business and there are dark forces working against us. I mean, that's mm-hmm. very much speaking of Lovecraft. I mean, that's kind of a Lovecraftian kind of theme as well. I'm just hearing QAnon. <laughs> well, you know, I know the, the, the tagline of the show, we're, we're against uh, remakes. remakes, but this is one that actually I think is ripe for a remake because the medium through which we get marketed to mm-hmm. has changed so dramatically in the years and if you remade this it would be all about social media al- mm-hmm. algorithms oh and, yeah you know the, echo the consequences of it obey yeah. yeah also we should mention that uh south the aliens carolina- would be influencers 100 percent. i yeah. love it south carolina born artist shepherd Ferre, who did the andre the giant has a posse and the Andre Obey stickers, and also the Obama Hope poster, uh, was heavily, heavily influenced by this film and the graphics of this film. Yeah, in case anyone wants to know, we're talking about They Live. <laughs> they Live is the movie. Uh, it's from 1988, directed by John Carpenter. It's got an 85% on Rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. It should be. I mean, that's a good rating, but it should be higher. This is. It's, it's a bona fide classic, yeah. in my opinion. I mean, Chelsea, it's campy. Chelsea has thoughts, but we'll get to them in a moment. Uh, so the, a quick recap of the plot. Nada, played by Rowdy Roddy Piper, a wanderer without meaning in his life, discovers a pair of sunglasses capable of showing the world as it truly is. As he walks the streets of L.A., Nada notices that both the media and the government are comprised of subliminal messages meant to keep the population subdued and that most of the social elite are skull-faced aliens bent on world domination. With this shocking discovery, Nada fights to free humanity from the mind-controlling aliens. All right, so the roles that we're going to recast are going to be Nada, played by Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Then we've got Frank Armitage, played by Keith David, not David Keith. And... Uh, Holly Thompson, played by Meg Foster. And then finally, the street preacher, 
played by Raymond St. Jacques. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have one comment. Good. You mentioned the character Frank Armitage. Yes. That was the pen name that uh, John Carpenter used as co-writer of the screenplay. Oh, really? Uh Uh-huh. And we did have a trivia question about this, even though I failed to uh, mention it on last week's episode. Um, He sought out uh, Keith David after being very impressed by his performance in The Thing, another Carpenter vehicle. Which I just saw earlier this week, and it totally holds up. Did you watch the Criterion Cut? I did. did. Is that the first time you've seen it? No, I've seen it before, but it's uh, it's great. So good. I love that movie. All right, what else do we need to say about They Live before we recast it? All right, I've got some thoughts. Yes. So I think the the bones of this movie are great, but I think there's a lot of hokiness in which Mm -hmm. the message gets lost. And if Nada and Frank would just fucking do it in the middle of the street instead of fight for like so 40 fucking minutes. The street fight was homoerotic. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. Most most uh, dude on dude fights uh, have a I homoerotic mean, but that undercurrent one, if you get right down to it. That <laughs> one was like excessively. <laughs> so, no, I think I think the foundation of it is great. The makeup and the concepts are so, so cool, but it just gets lost and I, I I I get that reaction to it, but I, I think that for me, this one is one that kind of like toes that line between camp and oh yeah, and 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 good cinema a little bit. It is campy. Well, and knowing John Carpenter, I think a lot of the camp was intentional. Absolutely. Yeah. How, how do you how do you write a line that says I came here to chew bubble gum and kick ass, and I just read out of bubble gum? <laughs> Boom! I mean, come Man. on. Also, before we get to the recasting, I do want to give a shout out to. Uh, Bartender Ashley. Bartender Ashley, this is her favorite movie. Awesome. Woo. So hopefully she listens to this episode. I'll make her do it. And first up, we've got Nada, played by Roddy Piper, who was 34 at the time. And Joey, who did you go with for this? One of the things that I think works about this movie is Roddy Piper's performance. And he's not a great actor, obviously, yep. but he's comfortable <laughs> on the camera. And he hams it up in a way that serves the movie kind of well. And I wanted to go with somebody who was more of an had more of an athletic background, not an actor. Um, and this is a, a, a person whose career actually came back and joined the NFL again last year, uh, but is near the end of his career, ready to move on to a different phase of his life. And who also is kind of a lovable tool, uh, much like Roddy Piper's persona. And uh, I went with Rob Gronkowski. Gronk. Gronk would be great. (laughs) Like I said, he's not an actor. Um, He's kind of a doofus, but he's comfortable on the camera. He's comfortable in his skin. And I could see him delivering that iconic line that Sean just mentioned uh, and killing it. And then like product placing his own energy drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Nice job, man. Over to you, Chelsea. I don't know how the fuck I follow that. I just endorse that pick 100%. But um, my subpar pick was an actor that was in the Avengers, uh, Snow White and the Huntsman, Huntsman and Thor. I went yeah. with Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, he's going to be like, he's going to have a lot of those quips. Yeah. A lot of those funny one-liners. And he's not often portrayed as that in movies, but in interviews, he's very witty. He's very like on point. Time, he's funny. I think that the majority of his... His catalog is him being funny. But like not as intentional as this movie. Okay. 
Right on. Okay, over to you, Sean. Um, I went with a 35-year-old actor. Uh, he was in Overlord, 22 Jump Street, Cold in July, most recently Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I went with Wyatt Russell. Oh, I Wyatt love it. Wyatt Russell, son of Kurt Russell, who was in The Thing. So he's already got an in. He's got an in, and Wyatt Russell isn't that great of an actor either. He's all right. He's all right. That's yeah. what you need for this role. I mean, that's the that's the Kurt Russell in him. Goldie <laughs> Hawn. I mean, wait, Goldie Hawn's not his mom, is she? I don't know. Maybe. We don't know. Dana, my pick for Roddy Piper is 46 now. And he was in Dazed and Confused. He was in Goodwill Hunting. He was in Too Fast, Too Furious. And he's in a show that my wife and I really like called Yellowstone. His name is Cole Hauser. Cole oh, okay. Hauser. He plays Rip on Yellowstone. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but it's like, it's basically Legends of the Fall, the movie. All right, next up we've got Frank Armitage, played by Keith David. And Keith David was 32. Joey, who were you thinking about for this? Well, uh, to follow up on the Rob Gronkowski casting, um, I figured I would just populate the movie with uh, athletes and sports stars who are ready to move on to the next phase. Just going to the bench of the New England Patriots. <laughs> yeah, no. So uh, I picked uh, somebody who uh, could hold his own in a fight scene with Rob Gronkowski, also recently retired. Uh, most folks will know him as a tight end uh, for the most recently with the uh, Washington racial slurs. Um, and it's uh, Vernon Davis. Okay. Vernon Davis. Over to you, Chelsea. So Keith David has a really iconic smile, and I based my pick off of that. Right. So my actor was in Wonder, uh, Ferdinand, Hamilton. I went with David Diggs. David Diggs. That's pretty good. I That's like good, it. That's a good pick, yeah. Sean? Um, I wanted an actor who had the physicality to you know match up with Wyatt Russell's mm -hmm. and do the big fight scene. So I went with a 31-year-old actor. He was in When We Rise, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, as well as Lovecraft Country. I went with Jonathan Majors. Yeah, he's Ooh, the main this, He's the main star? dude. The main dude, yeah. Okay. And Lovecraft yeah. Country, by the way, is really good. Yes. We've talked about this before, but it does a very good job of kind of revealing the metaphor between horror and racism in the United States. Yeah, and you can't, you can't read... Lovecraft in the 21st century without thinking that he's a horrible racist. Uh, my pick for Frank Armitage is 30 now. I aged him down a little bit. He was in Just Mercy. He was in Ingrid Goes West, The Long Shot, and straight out of Compton, his name is O'Shea Jackson Jr., a.k.a. Lil Cube. Crushed Ice. Crush. Has there <laughs> ever been, uh, speaking of O'Shea Jackson Jr., and this is something for Dana, has there ever been another case of a son playing his father in a film? That's a good question. Next up, we've got Holly Thompson, played by Meg Foster, and she was 40 at the time. Joey, who's your pick for this? Again, we're populating my uh, remake version of this film. Uh, with uh, sports stars who are ready to move on to the next phase of their career. And uh, she's still kind of at the height uh, of her powers, uh, so to speak. Uh, but this role is going to be played by Serena Williams. There you go. Oh, I like that. And over to you, Chelsea. 
my actress, um, she mostly directs now, but she was in Tron. Um, yes, what? I'm here. What? <laughs> Tron Legacy? Yeah. The Lazarus Effect, Cowboys and Aliens, How It Ends. I went with Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde. That is a wild pick. Right? <laughs> Sean, you're up. Meg Foster has those weirdly piercing crystal blue eyes. And she kind of reminds me of like, at the time, she could have easily played like Kirstie Alley's possessed sister. In like, I in like a horror mil- her really movie. wanted to recast Kirstie Alley as her in this. But yeah. She's 70 years old. Yeah, yeah. So it's not, it doesn't fit. But so I. I she's I, also batshit crazy. Yes. <laughs> so I went with an actress who also has some very piercing eyes. Uh, she's 41 years old. She was in Casino Royale, uh, Sin City, A Dame to Kill For, and Penny Dreadful. I went with Eva Green. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. She's great in Penny Dreadful. I, I'm kind of in love with her. Like, just a little bit. Michelle knows. It's okay. My lovely wife, Michelle. Drink. Drink. Knows all about it. But, yeah, I'm kind of in love with Eva Green. My pick for Holly is 53 now. She was in The Family Man, Under the Tuscan Sun, Kicking and Screaming. Her name is Kate Walsh. Kate Walsh is my pick for Holly. Next up, we've got The Street Preacher. Played by Raymond St. Jacques, and he was 59 at the time. Is that correct, Sean? Uh, yes, I have 50. No, I have 53. 53? All right, yeah, we'll go with 53. Yeah, 53. Okay. Uh, the three and the nine are very close to each other on the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> so close. So who were you thinking about for this, Joey? Well, again, uh casting the film uh with former athletes uh this is one who actually does have a preaching background uh also as well and if you've ever heard him talk you could totally see him as a crazy street preacher i think i know who. You're and thinking. it's avery johnson nice <laughs> chelsea how do you feel about this this part or this role uh this was the easiest one for me okay my actor was in mystic river contagion the matrix lawrence fishburne nice Lawrence Fishburne. Interesting tie-in with our next film. Right. Exactly. Over to you, Sean. I went with a 63-year-old actor. He was in The Usual Suspects, The Jungle Book, Do the Right Thing, and Breaking Bad with Giancarlo Esposito. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's also in The Mandalorian. (laughs) Oh, so good. All right. My pick for uh, The Street Preacher is 50 now. And I believe in his ability to do this role. He was in The Predator, Get Out, Pitch Perfect 2, and Keanu. I went with Keegan Michael Key. Nice. <laughs> oh, okay, Key yeah. He's my street preacher. Like it. He's gonna he's not even gonna play it comedic though. Okay. He's gonna go full dramatic. I like he it. can do it. Yes. All right, any final thoughts on They Live? Well, see it if you haven't seen it. Yeah, for sure. As much as I don't like this movie and I complained about it. You can understand why it's a cult classic. Yeah, and like I said, the bones are there. I love the concept. I love so much about it, but it just gets a little lost for me. I think a remake on a grander scale would be an improvement. It would be interesting. Because it, yeah, I mean, it seemed like it was really shot like like a one city block kind of scale. Joey? 
Um, I love this film, and I think there's an argument to be made that the thing, notwithstanding, it's John Carpenter's best movie. Mm. Hot take, hot take, ladies and gentlemen, from 1988. <laughs> All right, so it's time for us to head into intermission. But not before we say, let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some astronaut brand freeze dried ice cream and tang. <laughs> and for those of you just tuning in, you're listening to the Chop Shop Morning Zoo on WCCS 85.5 FM, The Shop, with Travisito, the brew boss, and me, Chelsea, the regulator, where we'll be breaking down the recast of your precious childhood movies. All, All morning, morning long! <laughs> and if you can't listen on your toilet or in your car, just search for Cinema Chop Shop on podbean.com. <laughs> And it came to pass that the Lord Pod saith unto the chop shoppers to go forth, to rate, to review, and to subscribe to Cinema Chop Shop on all of your social media and your podcaster apps. Now it's about time for the holy sacrament of a beer check-in. You too can follow the path to Cinema Chop Shop on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. Everyone, Hallelujah! Praise Jesus! Amen. Well, hello there, all you naughty chop shoppers. So, you like to listen? Oh, you're bad. Wouldn't you also love to see all of our hot pictures and posts on our very own social media? Just search for Cinema Chop Shop on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you think you can handle it. This weekend on CCS Wrestling. Woo! If you miss this event, you suck. Woo! It'll be the ultimate recasting extravaganza you have ever seen. Between the challenger, Trontastic Ron. I'm gonna rip his face off. Woo! And the defending champ, Little Thanos. You ain't got nothing, brother. I can't stop saying woo! It's an actual medical condition. So if you've got a problem with that, we'll see you in Gmail, where you can send us comments, corrections, concerns, and complaints. That's cinemajobshop at gmail.com. Do you need a used movie? Good credit, bad credit, no credit, no problem. Come on down to Wacky Trav's Cinema Chop Shop Blowout Sale. He's He's out out of of his mind. mind. Where we can guarantee you, you'll go home happy. Social security number, criminal background check, and blood sample required. Side effects may include euphoria, hallucinations, and delusions of grandeur. So please remember to watch Watch Chop Retrofit. And we are back. Thank you, Chop Choppers, for bearing with us during the intermission. And when we come back from intermission, what do we like to do, Sean? Beer check-ins. And so the first one that we're enjoying right now is somewhat on theme. It's from Seminar Brewing. That's SeminarBrewing.com. And it's called DS10, Diaspora Series 10. And the reason that I brought this is because it has Enigma hops, which are kind of sci-fi, right? An Enigma 
a mystery wrapped in a riddle. I guess. So that's what we're drinking right now. Uh, while we enjoy that, should we get into the 2021 movie marathon? Yeah. Heck yeah. As of this recording, it is the 183rd day of the year, and I'm on a measly 177. No. I'm slipping, man. I'm You're slipping. You're doing good. You're doing good. I believe in you. Sean? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm on 220 on the nose. You are sorry. Sorry, sack of shit. Yep. Yeah. Chelsea? Uh, 258. Jeez, Louise. Thelma and Louise. And Joey, you said you've been watching a lot of stuff lately, right? Yeah, uh, two that strike uh, that stick out recently. Uh, I just saw, this is kind of on theme uh, with tonight. I just saw The Thing again. I'd seen it years ago. Yeah. Uh, John Carpenter, The Thing from 1982, maybe? 82 is correct. Um, God, it's great. It's it's a great movie. It's just so damn well done. Uh, so and did you watch the remake? Um, or the, there's three, re- that, that movie is itself a remake, oh, uh, really? of the thing from outer space, I believe, no uh, from the fifties, late fifties. And then there's a later remake afterwards. I have seen the first one from the fifties and the John Carpenter one. I don't think I've seen the newer remake. It's okay. I mean, it's not bad, but they should have cast Wyatt Russell. And the other one I, I just saw is, is brand new, um, South African film, you could argue this is science fiction, probably horror, eco-horror is how I'd classify it. It's called Gaia, and it's pretty damn good as well. Which means Mother Earth. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, about two forest rangers in South Africa who get lost in the forest, and there's this survivalist cult, like father and son, who are there. Good film. Good film. Check it out. What do you think of that beer? Um, I think it's very good. Very nice. Uh, Chelsea, what's your first check-in for this week? So my first check-in is from 2021. It's a film called Luca. Luca, which is the new Disney Pixar movie uh, set in Italy. Italy. And I think probably like an Italian-American production, right? Yeah, I think the director was Italian. And so tell us about it. I was excited for this movie to come out. I have a son named Luca, Mm -hmm. so this was very exciting for me. The film was so sweet and endearing. I loved it. Very family friendly. Oh, it's it's just adorable. I mean, they give away the the premise on the poster. So can you tell them about the... So Luca is a sea creature who turns into a sea monster if he gets wet. But if he is dry, he'll be a human boy. Yes. And they it's need to the do this. to splash. <laughs> I loved it. I Very thought it was good. so cute. Nice. I liked it. Uh, I think it was poignant that they released it in June. Because, yeah. Because uh, it's, clearly, it's clearly a movie about coming out. Yes. Oh, 100%. Okay. Taking, taking pride in who I you are. I did not catch that. Well, oh, the end. In, yeah, taking pride in who you are and what you are and... Do you mean when his tail was a rainbow flag? Shut no. <laughs> and just being accepted for what you are. So that really touched me a lot. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, Sean, what's your first check-in? All right. I'm checking in a new movie called Censor. Okay. I have not seen this yet. I almost watched it, but then it was like, it said something about eye gouging in the description. And I was like, I don't know if I can handle eye gouging. Um, so 
This is set in the Thatcher era video nasties Mm -hmm. where the main character Enid is playing a censor who is taking care of making sure that the people of the United Kingdom don't see graphic gore in their films. Video nasties is the name of my new punk band. Nice. And she's very well put together, very, you know, hair in a bun kind of thing. And one of the films she watches reflects a very eerie thing that happened to her and her sister as children and she lost her sister and she becomes convinced that the actress in this film is her sister. This sounds amazing. Oh, it's so good. Things start to fray at the edges and it can be seen visually through her hairdo through the movie. It just starts to lose its tight bun. Yeah. And the final act of the film, I hate this. I don't, it's not a spoiler. No, don't spoil it's anything. It's not a spoiler. Leave hey, it there, man. Leave no, it there. No, 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 no don't. All I'm going to say is pay close attention to the aspect ratio of the film okay. in the final 30 minutes of the movie. Right on. It tells you everything you need to know about the fact that this is a freakingly well done, you know, period era film. It's great. It's one of my favorites of the year so far. What genre would you put it in? Um, It's psychological horror. Yeah, psychological horror. There are slasher horror elements to this, though. But it's really more psychological because you don't know is what's happening really happening or is it in her head. Okay. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Very good. All right. So my first uh, check-in is a pretty heavy movie as well. Uh, It's number 173 for me. It's The Incredible Hulk Returns from 1988. (laughs) Fuck you. Uh, it's a continuation of the classic TV program. Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno reprise their roles. Thor shows up, and the actor who's playing it is such a doofus. It's hilarious. Uh, and there's also a Tim Thomerson sighting. Chelsea. Um, my next check-in is from 1975 called Satanic Pandemonium or La Sextorista. La Sextorista. Oh, I enjoyed this film. Yeah? Yeah, it was great. Uh, a nun gets possessed by the devil. Uh-huh. Fucking goes crazy. She just gambles and smokes weed. No, she seduces the other nuns and... Oh. Oh, yeah, fucking goes psycho. It's great. All right, good deal. Small trivia. Um, do you know why they call nuns nuns? No. Because <laughs> they no. don't get none. Satanico she Pandemonium did. was Selma Hayek's character's name and from Dust Till Dawn. That is awesome. That's this a is... great connection. Yep. I love that. Sean, what do you got? I'm checking in 1982's The Cinder. This is a criminally underrated film. It's about a disturbed telepath who projects his thoughts and dreams onto others. There are elements of this film that are later used in Nightmare on Elm Street two years later. There are elements that were used in Inception. Um, There's some incredible sound looping that they used to add to the chaos of it all. It's really a cool, cool movie. It's pronounced Inception. Inception. But yeah, this guy, uh, he's a little nutty. And uh, everything that he's dreaming or experiencing gets thrown onto others. They experience it as reality. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. there's some oh 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 the guy that played Renee Belloc yes yes he's, he's he in this me about same this. same year as uh, as a doc as a doctor right. yeah yeah he's a he's a doctor in the hospital and uh, it's cool check it out this is a neat movie that I'd never heard of until this past week that's a solid recommend from Sean by the way I opened a new beer uh oh so you need to kill what you got this one is from um, what's it called oh Two Bridges Brewing in uh, Savannah Georgia Savannah. And this is called Hydrus. 
Oh, okay. And the can is beautifully done. Kind of the reminds graphics you. look a little bit like War of the Worlds. Like little, there's lasers coming down. There's a little yeah. War of the Worlds. It's almost like they're, they're they've taken the Hydra constellation and kind of added like a trippy element to it. So I'm gonna pass that over to you. What kind Would of beer is this? Again? Is this an IPA or is this? It's an IPA. It's a dry hopped IPA. Very, very uh, soft and mellow. It smells so different than the uh, IPA that I just drank. It's got a very soft palate on it. It is smooth. Mm -hmm. All right, my next check-in, completely out of the the realm of my first check-in. It's going to be number 174, The Trial of the Incredible Hulk from 1989. (laughs) Uh, It's a second follow-up to the TV show. This time we meet Daredevil, and guess who shows up? John Reese Davies as Wilson Fisk, aka Kingpin. Kingpin. Nice. So, uh, what was going on in Travland this week that made you revisit these uh, Hulk TV movies? I was looking at um, like like low budget sci fi stuff, and I discovered the trial of the Incredible Hulk, and I started watching it, and I was like, oh shit, this is the second one. So I went back and watched the first one, and then I picked up the second one, and then just today I finished the third one, which we'll talk about momentarily. Chelsea, what's your next check-in? This is from 2021. It's on Netflix. It's called Fear Street Part 1, 1994. I'm watching this when when I go home. Uh, It's queued up. Uh, My wife queued it up as her pick tonight, so yeah. All right, so it's not groundbreaking. Don't get me wrong. It's fun. Soundtrack, awesome. I'm excited that it's a trilogy. Curious to see where it goes. There are parts of it that get a little boring, but it's a lot of fun. I think it's great. All right, I'm going to check in uh, from part of my uh, quest to see all of the films in the uh, In Search of Darkness documentaries. Yes. This one is from 1982. It's oh, called God. Basket Case. Oh, oh hell yes. I saw I'm you check this sure in on Letterboxd. I hate it, this I, movie. Oh, my God. Does it the involve sequel's like, pretty good heads too. in a basket? Does it involve what? Does it involve heads in a basket? No, no. it's a uh, vestigial twin who's God. removed oh, and, yeah, and lives yeah. a separate life. This movie's yeah. messed up, dude. It, it's fucked up. Because Fucking it's, great practical effects, too. I'm sorry I'm still your it, No, no, it's fine. It's presented as comedy horror, I think. I mean, there are some things that are meant to be funny, oh. but then there are some really deeply disturbing things in it's, this movie. It's either the second one or have you seen all three of them? No, no, I've only seen the first it's one. Either the second one or the third one oh my God. has some weird fucking shit, man. It's This uh, one was weird as shit. <laughs> I love it. All right, so it's over to me. My uh, third check-in is going to be The Death of the Incredible Hulk from 1990. Uh, The third and final of the Hulk revival films. This one's set in Portland, Oregon. Uh, There was talk of a fourth film (laughs) called Revenge of the Incredible Hulk before... Bixby's death in 1993. Rest in peace and rest in power. That's my final check-in. You guys got any more? Nope. Let's let's move it on. Good. Moving it on to the second part of our feature segment, which is the recast continued. Part two. The sequel. Two ends. Yes. Uh, And the movie that we're going to be talking about is called Event Horizon. Event Horizon, not the physics 
uh, anomaly, but the movie from 1997, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. I've got 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. No, it needs to be Unbelievable. higher. Shocking. That, yeah. I higher. It definitely needs to be It's higher. not a great film, but, yeah, but it's not I mean, 29. No, no it's not no, that bad. No. I mean, it's derivative, but I like the design aesthetic. There are problems with some of the special effects. Derivative But it's 1997. Of, well, the design aesthetic is derivative of Alien. Okay. Uh, the big hulking black and gray ship with lots of bare bones uh, industrial elements in terms of But the again, ship it's 1997. They didn't have a ton to work with. Well, it's not that. It's just Chelsea was just a glimmer in somebody's eye. I was not. <laughs> she was 11 years old. Right? But, Fuck you. Um, so yeah. also in in terms of uh, being derivative, it does kind of play on some tropes. The ghost ship, mm-hmm. right? That's something that has been in literature since days of old. Oh yeah, absolutely. And they kind of translated that to an outer space science fiction setting. Joey, any thoughts? And also, well, elevated. as I said earlier, I think this is clearly a horror film with science fiction trappings. Okay. I mean, it, it it's horrific in that horrible things happen to these people. Face um, tattoos. It's very clearly, I'm not going to say derivative necessarily, but very clearly in the Lovecraft lineage of like cosmic horror, uh, things beyond our realm coming into contact with us and causing pandemonium. Just like um, Walt Disney's The Black Hole. Oh, which, God. oh God, that don't get me started because <laughs> I saw that again not too long ago and it, I loved it when I was a child, and it's fucking it's a bore. horrible. It's a bore. And the it's... black hole is his beard. <laughs> when the Event Horizon, a spacecraft that vanished years earlier, suddenly reappears, a team is dispatched to investigate the ship. Accompanied by the Event Horizon's creator, William Weir, played by Sam Neill, the crew of the Lewis and Clark, led by Captain Miller, played by Lawrence Fishburne, begins to explore the seemingly abandoned vessel. However, it soon becomes evident that something sinister resides in its corridors and that the horrors that befell the Event Horizon's previous journey are still present. All right, so uh, the roles that we're going to recast, we've got Captain Miller. He's the commanding officer of the Lewis and Clark. He was played by Lawrence Fishburne, who was a wee 36 at the time. Then we've got uh, Dr. William Billy Weir, designer of the Event Horizon, played by Sam Neill, who was 50 at the time. And then the third role that we're going to recast is Peters. She was the medical technician of the Lewis and Clark, and she was played by Kathleen Quinlan, who was 43 at the time. All that check out? Checks out. Mm-hmm. All right, Joey, as our guest, you're going first. Who is your Captain Miller? Well, before I get to that, I, w- I do want to mention one thing. Um, I think there's a glaring technical error in this film. Wait, did I not recast the right people? No, 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 not at all. Um, so the the ship, when they find it, when it reappears, 
it's an orbit of Neptune, right? Yes. And it's in the atmosphere of Neptune. It's not actually orbiting in space around Neptune. It's in it's the a atmosphere. Rating orbit. Okay. Of Neptune. When they okay, so Neptune is way way more massive than the Earth, which right. means it would have crushing gravity by our standards. Mm-hmm. When they get to it, even though it's not in space, it's actually down in the atmosphere of Neptune the artificial gravity is not on and they're floating around. That's bullshit. It would have been way, way heavier. The gravity would have been Walt thing. Disney's the plot hole. Yeah. Uh, second, I have a question, and this might be for y'all or for Dana. Has Lawrence Fishburne ever played a role where he was not in charge? Yeah. Apocalypse Now. Boom. Ooh, ooh. Oh, you're right. Nailed it. Never Off seen it. That's why he's my co-host. He just, he just, he just has, he has very natural in charge energy. I think. Granted, he was like sixteen at the time. <laughs> I mean, Lawrence Fishburne is kind of like Samuel L. Jackson. He's ageless. All right. So in this, uh, in this role, uh, my theme for this uh, recasting, which I'll reveal in a few minutes, uh, was actually uh, inspired by my next pick. So I won't reveal it quite yet. Um, but this is an actor who I'm not sure if he's ever if he's been in other things, but uh, he's currently in Star Trek Discovery um, as Book uh, Cleveland Booker, and his name is David Alaya. David okay, Alaya. I, I like it in the Lawrence Fishburne role as Captain Miller. I like a. Were you Chelsea? So I gender flip this role mm-hmm. because we don't have enough females. There's not enough females in charge, and females can be captains. Fuck everybody. I'm the captain now. This woman is. Uh, she was in 12 Years a Slave, Black Panther, Us. I went with Lupita Nyongo. Lupita Nyongo is amazing. Fucking she also up. shows up in, I think, all three of the sequel Star Wars trilogy. Yes. Very nice. Sean, what do you got? Um, I'm completely re-envisioning this movie as a dark comedy. Yes. <laughs> so instead of the ship revisiting you about your deepest, darkest nightmare, it's going to kind of revisit upon you the shitty things that you've done to other people Whoa, throughout your man. life. Why are you trying to make me feel bad? That's nightmarish <laughs> in and of itself. But, though. but not like... Yeah. Not like, like your most embarrassing moment? Yeah, well, you know, like, like if you... You know, like that time that you were peeing outside of the concert no. hall, and I told you the police were there. Well, that's kind of that's a pants. good one. That's a good one. Uh, like 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 ratting out your neighbor to the homeowners association for not having their shrubs trimmed to the mm-hmm. right level. You're having that, pebble gravel that falls down. The I'm cover, I'm cringing right? thinking about my own. So yeah. so anyway, so so you get the idea, uh, and then of course there's another theme that's going to be very readily apparent. Uh, so I went with a 49-year-old actor. Um, he was in uh, Pineapple Express, mm-hmm. This is the End, yeah. and Hot Tub Time Machine. I went with Craig Robinson. Mm, Craig nice. Robinson! Take your panties off. <laughs> oh, and I love his Book It pin in his Pizza Hut commercial. Nice. Fucking love it. You guys remember Book It? Hell yeah! <laughs> All right, so it's on me, right? Yep. All right, next I've got uh, in the role of Captain Miller. He's 32 now, and he was in Black Panther. He was in Queen and Slim. He was also in Get Out and Judas and the Black Messiah. I went with Daniel Kaluuya. Nice. Daniel Kaluuya is going to be my Captain Miller. 
Moving it on, next up, we've got Dr. Billy Weir. He was the designer of the Event Horizon. Uh, things go a little wonky with him. We're not going to reveal anything. No spoilers. Uh, Sam Neill was 50. And Joey, who did you go with? Well, I'm actually bumping someone who was in the original movie up uh, a okay. little bit in the uh, on the billing order here. Yeah. Um, this is the the pick that inspired my theme. These are all actors from Star Trek Discovery. Uh, most of our listeners will probably know him as the Elder Malfoy. Yeah. Uh, from Harry Potter, uh, I know him most recently as Captain Lorca from Star Trek Discovery. Uh, he gets disemboweled in the oh, original dang. version uh, yep. of the film, and he is Jason Isaacs. Yep. Jason nice. Isaac. Yeah, I was thinking he would have been a good recast as well. I, I, and he, he, he played Are you a, saying you shopped him? No, no, no. He played a, a great part in this movie, worthy of recasting, but we don't have all the time in the world. Over to you, Chelsea. So this is somebody who deserves to have the spotlight on him more. Uh, he was in The Way Way Back, The Descendants, Community. I went with Jim Rash. Oh, Jim Rash is great. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. He's also, um, despite the the on-screen roles that we know him for, he's been a comedy writer in the game for yes, a while. Yes, for sure. And I think the, the visions and the different iterations mm -hmm. of Weir, he could totally pull off. Right on. Sean? Um, I went with a 58-year-old actor. Um, he can be seen in uh, Beautiful Boy, The Big Short, and... Space Force, keeping it on theme with the uh -huh. show. What was Steve Carell? There you did. There you did. There you go. Yes, you did. <laughs> um, so my Sam Neill is 47 now, and he's also a Kiwi, much as Sam Neill is. Uh, he was in Eagle and Shark, Napoleon Dynamite, Flight of the Concords, and What We Do in the Shadows. I went with Jermaine Clement. Nice. Jermaine Clement is going to be my Billy Weir. We got one more for this, right? Mm-hmm. We've got the role of Peters, the medical technician of the Lewis and Clark. And she was played by Kathleen Quinlan, who was 43 at the time. Joey, give us what you got. Again, my theme uh, is actors from uh, Star Trek Discovery mm -hmm. and this actress's name I'm just is this. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, is uh, Emily Kudis. Uh, she plays the cybernetically enhanced Okay. Lieutenant yeah, Kayla is. Detmer. Nice. nice. She looks a Jeez. little bit like the girl from Game of Thrones and the Tudors. Sansa? No. No, no Natalie the, uh, Dormer. Natalie Dormer. Dormer. She yeah, looks yeah. a little bit like Natalie Dormer. I got you. Yep. yep yeah. I see it. All right, Chelsea, what do you got? Uh, so I fucked up on this pick, sorry. You picked the wrong person. I did. I recast Lieutenant Stark, who mm -hmm. is Lawrence Fishburne's like, right-hand woman kind of thing. But it still works, right? It kind of does, but in the context, I want you to know that. Okay. So my actress, most notably, was in the movie Stop Loss from 2008. Um, something called Bright Star, Candy, Sucker Punch. Sucker Punch? Yeah, I yeah. like that movie. Anyways, I went with Abby Cornish. Yeah, Abby Cornish is good. She's also a rapper. Yeah. She's from Australia. She's a badass. Yeah. Over to you, Sean. What do you got? All right, this was the uh, character that really spawned my whole concept. So she's 54 years old. 
Uh, she was in 27 Dresses, 17 again, but most would know her from The Office as Jan Levinson. I went with Melora Hardin. You got Jan? <laughs> Jan? She has yeah. the, I kind of want to see this film. She has the remake. exact same nose as the uh, original actress, and that's what got me there. That's fair. Well, my pick for the role of Peters is 43 now as well. She was in Gravity Falls, set in the great state of Oregon. That is a great series, by the way. So good. good. Drink. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's in Last Man on Earth and Bob's Burgers. Her name is Kristen Schaal. Nice. Oh, I love it. Kristen Schaal is going to be my Peters. Um, I love her so much. And if I ever met her, I would probably not be able to talk. Right. And I talk for a living. She gives the best high fives. Oh, yeah? Yeah. All right. So final thoughts on Wait, Event Horizon, her. guys. <laughs> uh, watch it. I loved it. It was a movie I saw that left me so creeped out and so unsettled. When it came out, I was Jesus. Uh, 17 years old, Ooh. and it was scary to me. I found it quite frightening. Okay. I saw this for the first time this past week, and I, I liked it. Yeah, I, I thought it was good. I was I surprised s- at how much I liked it. I saw it in the theaters. Uh, I would have been, I'm older than you, so I would have been around 24, I guess. Mm-hmm. It scared the shit out of me at the time and left yeah. quite an impression on me. Uh, it was diminished a little bit in the rewatch, but it's still pretty good and way better than 29%. Yeah, and I think yeah. the critics are kind of jaded by the fact that they weren't there at the time. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the a lot of the critical reviews are from people who are doing it now. Basically, they're Zoomers. Fuck the Zoomers. Um, all right, so we do have a final bonus segment. Are you guys ready for it? Do yes. it. Yes. It's going to be a battle royale between three science fiction villains, and we're going to pick who would win uh, amongst those three. We've got. Darth Vader from Star Wars versus Q from Star Trek versus Galactus from some comic book shit. This is not even a competition. Uh, Q is omnipotent mm-hmm. and omniscient and would wipe the floor with both of those other guys. Galactus is the devourer of worlds. Yeah. That's cute. That's really That's cute. real cute. Chelsea, you have thoughts? I disagree with Joey because I don't know who the other two are. You agree with him? Yeah, and Darth Vader, he's bullshit. So Mm. I agree with Joey. I'm going with Galactus. He's the devourer of worlds. He just, you can't stop him. And to keep the force in balance, I'm going to go ahead and pick Darth Vader. Uh, So that being said, we do want to wrap up, right? Yeah. There's no... Sneak preview trivia question this week. There's no trivia. There's no trivia for two weeks, and there's no episode next week. For next week. We're having a bye week, right? Yes. And I just learned that it was spelled B-Y-E. Nice. Like, bye-bye. Plugs. I do want to thank the guests and ask them about plugs. Joey Poole, is there anything that you want to plug tonight? Buy my book. I get four bucks every time someone buys it. Hell Yeah. I, buy me a beer. <laughs> I've read it. I will vouch for it. It's called. I have always been here before. Available from Cowboy Jamboree Press. 
I want. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put this out there here too. Uh, I want to be in on one of those watch party episodes. Yes, coming soon. You can be uh, on the next one. Oh no! The next one is Christmas in July. No, pick a better one. <laughs> We're doing Christmas. No, in do in not July. come to that and one. Then I think it's my turn. And what did I pick? I don't know. Oh boy, it's uh, doing a Tim Burton's party. Batman. Oh, you're gonna do that? That's what I picked. Nice. It's Tim Burton's Batman. Okay. Are we doing superheroes next or? No, I'm saying Tim Burton's Batman is my watch party after Christmas in July. And then it's my turn. Then it's your turn. Yes. Okay. All right. So uh, Chelsea, the regulator, Mm -hmm. she's got a jacket that says so. Gave you a mask that says so. It says regulators mask up. And uh, thank you for doing all the things you did this week. And thank you for the things that you're going to do next week. I appreciate all of that. So welcome. And uh, is there anything you want to plug? Trivia, when it returns. When it comes back in like two Two and a half weeks. (laughs) And um, over to you, Sean. Anything you want to plug? Yeah, I want to plug a show that I've been watching. Uh, It's uh, on Apple TV. It's starring Rose Byrne and it's called Physical. And it's set in the early 1980s, and she's building a aerobics empire. So is is Let's the Olivia Newton-John song the soundtrack? Is not it yet. Thing? Not it needs yet. Needs to be. They need to work that I th- out. I think they're corporate. I think they're steering around it intentionally. Once but, again, uh, thank you yeah. to you, sir, my co-host and co-producer. Thank you for everything that you do. And also, we want to plug the podcast itself. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on all of your podcatcher apps. We are on podbean.com. You can search for Cinema Chop Shop on there. Also, we're Cinema Chop Shop on Twitter. We're Cinema Chop Shop on Facebook. We are Cinema Chop Shop on Gmail if you want to email me. Uh, Also, the beers that we checked in today, we'll check them in on U-N-T-A-P-P-D. That's untapped. We are Cinema Chop Shop on there as well. And then uh, are we throwing the audio up on YouTube? Yeah, everything's automatically kicking over to YouTube now. Excellent. So we are Cinema Chop Shop Podcast on YouTube. You can, if you if you don't want to just listen, you can watch and look at the graphics. <laughs> you can watch our sound waves. <laughs> yes. Also, we want to say thank you to you, the listeners, the Chop Shoppers out there. Thank you for uh, being such loyal fans. And I want to remind you to please wear a mask, uh, social distance, and get that vax. And also, please remember to watch, watch chop, chop, retrofit, retrofit. engage. <laughs> Make it so. Two ends. <laughs>